Come on, church. Come on, give it up for Jesus this morning. Let's go, let's go. Man, oh man, it is great to be back here with all of you. I love Sundays. I love Sundays. Why is that, church? Say it again. It is absolutely our fun day. Come on. I say this over and over again. We get together that it's our fun day. And I'll say this over and over again. It's fun because you're here. Come on. It's, it's fun that because you are here, we are gathered together as his, his church, right? Doing our, our Jesus thing. We're learning. We're singing. We're praising, right? We're an awesome God who's all around. He is present right here, right now. And we continue to point to life change through Jesus Christ, right? Come on. Come on. We should never, ever get tired of praising God for what, who he is and what he is doing in his church, right? Come on. Man, oh man. Man, and good morning to all of you who are joining us online. We wish you were here. You saw the weather and you got afraid. You didn't come in. We'll see you next week, all right? We love the fact that you were able to tune in. Thank you for the technology and a team that make it possible, uh, but we look forward to seeing you next week. Those of you who are new with us, man, welcome. Come on, Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church, man. I hope when you came in, you were made to feel welcome and wanted. You're going to come back and hang with us next week and a week after that as we chase this life lived in and for Jesus Christ. If you have not figured it out yet, we're all about Jesus in this place. Right, church? All right, come on. All right, gang, open your Bibles or your Bible apps to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Or if you grab an orange Bible on the way in, you'll find it on page 828. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 or page 828. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. But before we get into this morning's conversation, I just want to touch on a couple of things that were shared today. And um, I want to dig into them just a couple of seconds this morning with you as a team. You, know, you all heard that Trunk or Tree is moving, right? We all on the same page with that? If you show up and start setting up a trunk over at the school in the parking lot, you will be alone. Just want to throw that out there. Be like, where's all the kids? Over here. Uh, if you are a, if you have a trunk, you are serving. Please connect with Pastor Dre. He has all the details. Um, I, I I don't like the rain, but I love the fact that we're going to have all these people inside this building, right? We're going to be playing some worship music. They're going to hear all about Jesus. They're going to be invited to come to church. We have been blessed with an amazing building, and we're going to use it for His glory tonight. Also, want to speak into a second for Operation Christmas Child. Uh, there are many reasons why I'm excited that we are partnering with this ministry as a ministry for Jesus Christ. One of them is that we have an opportunity, church, to make a, a kingdom impact, a, to be kingdom difference makers around the world. You know, I think about this. We start planning throughout the year. We've already looked at next year. We plan so much um, that we do locally. We do in our local communities to reach people for Jesus, to impact for Jesus, this is one time a year that we are focusing to the ends of the earth, right? To the ends of the earth. And Jesus made that very clear in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you know, go be my witnesses. He says, in Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? That's what we want to do. Our, our mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ is just not in our local communities. It's to reach the world with the greatest message ever given to mankind that Jesus saves. Amen. And that's the second part I love about this Operation Christmas Child. When, the, when they receive these shoeboxes, when they come in, they also receive the gospel in the message in their language. So they sit down, and they give these shoeboxes. The kids are all excited. In fact, I don't know if you caught that video, but there was this little boy who held up a fire truck. 
And I started thinking through that last week that I was watching, and it brought tears to my eyes because I'm thinking, this is a boy who's probably in a remote village, has no clue what a fire truck is, but he's holding up, he's all sorts of excited. Like, whoa, yeah, look at this, right? They get that, but they also get Jesus. They stand up and they share the gospel. They walk through the message of hope with these. So we are making a difference, not just here locally, but around the world. So if you have not done it yet, we have about 100 plus boxes left. Grab one, fill them up with your love, and send them out and let Jesus do the rest, right? We are called to plant, we're called to water, God is the one who causes the increase, amen? All right, so we'll get on to that. Grab that on your way out this morning. This morning, we, we continue in our series titled Breakthrough, in week two of this series, and I started thinking through this morning as I'm sitting in my chair, drinking my coffee, and going through the message Thinking, well, like, why, why do we need a breakthrough? Why do we need a breakthrough? And then I started thinking through some of the, the relationships I have here, some of the relationships I have across our country, and I think there's, there's many of us who are followers of Jesus are holding on by a thread. I started thinking, walking through some life, and maybe, maybe you're one of them this morning. Maybe you know someone who's very struggling this morning, because the fact is, the world that we live in is broken. It's not how God created it in the beginning, and it's not how it's going to be when Jesus comes back and makes everything new. So since from the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3 to the end of Jesus comes back and makes everything new, we are sitting in the middle of a broken world. We deal with it on the daily. In fact, Paul, a follower of Jesus, right into the Roman churches, uh, churches in Rome, he says in chapter 8, verse 22, you can see it on the screen. He says, we all know that the whole creation is groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for, this, for in this hope we are saved. He stopped right there. He is talking about the whole world right now is groaning. It wants to be back the way it was in the Garden of Eden. It wants to be whole. It wants to be beautiful again. It wants to be outside of sickness and decay and death. It wants that. And he's saying not only the world, but us. As followers of Jesus, we also long with the decaying world to be back and have our new bodies and to be whole with God. This world is not right. We are surrounded by pain, deal with suffering, heartache, anxiety, and depression, hardships on every level. And God says that one day that will no longer be that way. So what do we do? What do we do between then and then, right here and then? What do we do? do? How do we get to the other side? Peter walks us through this idea at the end of last week's conversation First uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and you are filled with an expressible and glorious joy, for you receive in the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls. Stop there again. I want that. I want that. I mean, how do we get that? How do, we, how do we get this? I mean, think about this. We're walking through, many people in this room are walking through some hardships right now, listening to this conversation online. People are like, I'm dealing with some things right now, Rich. How do I get to that point where right now I can walk through this, in, this inexpressible, filled with glorious joy? 
I mean, who doesn't want that, right? Well, that's the purpose of the series, friends. <laughs> that's why we're walking this through together. That's why Peter wrote this letter. Because too many of God's children are walking around with defeated lives. It's the world that's been defeated, not us. In Jesus, we have victory, right? We have been capped, trapped, far below, below the life that Jesus has for every single one of us. See, when the world, when the broken world punches us in the face, we don't know what to do. When we face hardship, we don't know how to respond. And when we start getting hit by combinations, you ever see a boxing match and combination starts happening? When that takes us in and we go down, sometimes we're feeling so hurt and so painful, we're not sure if it's worthy to get up or not. Should I face it? Should I fight it? And friends, this is when a mighty God comes in. A mighty God that we love and we serve and we stand fast in his grace. At the end of, this later, end of this letter, Peter writes his purpose and encouragement that those who are in the fight of this broken world, we are called to stand fast in God's grace. We're called to be immovable objects of faith. Trusting that there is more to the story that God hasn't written yet. In fact, I challenged this last week, going back to John, John chapter 11, that we need to give Jesus the opportunity to write the story, to finish the story. We are alive in Christ. And it's time to take our grave clothes off because they're no longer needed. As we step in this conversation this morning, Peter's going to build on that foundation. Everything that we laid out last week, that we are chosen, that heaven is our home, that God is still is not done with us yet. He's going to continue to build on that. How do we find our breakthrough? If you have your Bibles open, 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober... Set your hope on the grace that was brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed and is coming. Let's stop there. One of the truths that I love of the book of 1 Peter, and over and over again, he continues to keep in mind of who he is writing. He continuously brings back them, them back to who they are in Jesus, who's, who they are, who do they belong to, where our hope truly sits. Our hope sits in God's grace. Jesus, our living hope. And as, as, as I think, go through this, I think as followers of Jesus, I think sometimes we deal with short-term memory issues, right? I mean, we have, we, we like, uh, what about Jesus? And when tragedy strikes, when, when chaos starts to consume us, when suffering becomes greater, we forget that God is good. We forget that he holds our hope our eternity in his hand, and then we forget that he will carry us through whatever we are facing. See, I don't know about you, but when I go through life and my life looks more like it's breaking down than rather than breaking through, I need this reminder more than ever. I need to be reminded who I am in Jesus. I remember my, where my hope ends, I ends where it sticks and stays with Jesus Christ, that he's carrying me to completion. I need this reminder more than ever. 
I need to remind them to look up. To refocus my heart. To get my mind right. In fact, that's exactly where Peter is leading us this morning because in the middle of this verse 13 is a phrase that begs our attention. He says, with minds that are alert and fully sober. He's pointing to their minds. You're going through some hardships. You're dealing with some junk in life. Let's start focusing on your mind. In fact, that's point number one. If you're taking notes or writing things down this morning, write it down. Your breakthrough starts by changing how you think. When we're dealing with hardship, we're dealing with suffering, we're dealing with pain, we need to change how we think. And some of you are like, come on, Rich, that seems awful simple. You're like, well, that's really, really simple. I mean, it's got to be something greater than that. But it's much harder than we realize. I think next year I have a series planned in June, I believe, called Mastermind. We're going to walk through the, the, the power of our minds. See, God knows, friends. He knows that when we experience hardship, he knows that when we deal with suffering and it steps into our world, or a loved one that we care about is sick or passes away, when we, the word cancer is uttered in our lives, when we lose our job, when someone we care about hurts us, when school feels like it's crushing us, when the point where we feel like this broken, broken world's invading our headspace, God knows that you and I will constantly and consistently build destructive thinking patterns in our heads. He knows that. We will continue to chew on what's bothering us. We'll continue to bring the forefront of our mind and stew on it. And our mind just keeps on going down and down the rabbit hole. And we go level after level after level after level. Think about this. When's the last time that you couldn't sleep because something was bothering you? That you woke up in the middle of the night or you couldn't get that thought out of your mind. You kept on going through a conversation over and over and over and over and over and over in your head and you just couldn't go to sleep. You're afraid about something that was coming up at work, something you had to deal with at school, something you had to go to a doctor's appointment, right? And you're, you're worried and you're panicked and you're going over and over and over and over and over and over and over again down the rabbit hole. You're at work. You're dealing with some personal stuff at home. You can't focus at work because you're focused there, right? You're constantly chewing it over in your mind. Maybe there's a disagreement between you and some other people, and you say, well, I need to talk about this when you do this over, and you're going over these conversations over and over and over again, and they haven't even happened yet. They may never happen yet, but guess what you did? You, in your mind, went down the rabbit hole again, and you're down here having arguments with people that may never happen. Tell me that doesn't happen just to me. <laughs> Come on. Peter is telling us we need to change how we think. Because it's with our minds that we feed our hearts that sets the foundation of how we choose to live. And friends, if our thinking is toxic, our lives will be toxic. If our thinking is toxic, our lives will be toxic. We'll constantly be consumed by what we're thinking about over and over and over. And he goes on and says, okay, we are to be alert. To be alert. This is more than just being awake. This is more than shuffling through life with our pink fuzzy buzzy bunny slippers, right? 
right? We're going every morning, and we're absolutely miserable until we get our coffee. Don't talk to me until I have my coffee. Some of you have the t-shirt. Some of you have the mug, right? That's not what he's talking about. Being alert is being ready. Be able to see and recognizing what is in front of us. Be able to see and recognizing what is around us, what's happening to us. That was what it means to be alert. But then he goes on and says, with our minds, we are to be fully sober. To be sober. That means we are to be clarity of mind. Clear-minded is sometimes... It seems like the chaos steps in and we get so muddled up in the head. It's that we aren't clear. We aren't sober-minded. And I think, what does it mean to be fully sober? What does it mean for us to have sober minds? And I think sometimes we can jump to the opposite and have a better understanding. What is the opposite of being sober? We can say it, church. It's all right. Drunk. The opposite of being sober is drunk. And if you've ever seen someone who's intoxicated, who is drunk, by the way, I just want to make this really clear, being drunk, being buzzed, getting high is not the way of life that honors God. It's not a way of life that honors God. He speaks very clearly against those things that alter our mind. In fact, he calls them a sin. But when we see people who are drunk, we know they're not in their right mind. And we look at them and see how they're behaving. They believe what they're saying and what they're doing and what they're thinking makes sense. But when you are on the outside with a sober mind looking at them, it makes no sense. It doesn't make a clue, it doesn't make a clue of common sense. Like, like it doesn't have it all together. And when they're walking through life with impaired minds, they're making decisions that, that lead them to further regret or, or bigger or deeper brokenness into their lives. That's what being have a drunk mind does. A drunk mind leads to further destruction. A sober mind leads to finding a solution. When we are right in our minds, we make right decisions. So what are you feeding your minds? What are, you, what are you shoving in the head space? You know, between this ear and this ear, what is, what is going in? Are you keep on piling on the pain? You keep on adding to her because you're having more conversation with broken people? Are you worried about what's going on in the world so you keep on watching the news? By the way, no one's telling the truth. What are you filling in your head? What's going in? Are you scrolling through social media, being consumed by the the fear and anxiety of other people driving in those conversations? Are you engaging with people, listening to their words, who don't believe what you believe? Who don't, who don't believe what you believe, who are filled with hate? 
Are you aligning your life with people who say they're followers of Jesus, but their life, how it's lived, their conversation, their posts, their emails, their lives don't seem to champion the cause of Christ? We have to pay attention to what's going in our minds. We need to change our thinking. Are you, are you grabbing hold of that junk and bringing it all back into core of who you are and thinking we're going to live differently? No. Or are you filling your mind with Scripture? Are you reading the truth and what is good? Are you growing in your relationship with God? Are you digging into the word of God and holding on to it and saying, you know what? God has a plan and a purpose. That he will never leave me nor forsake me. That Jesus is my rock. He is my foundation. He is my fortress. He is my stronghold. What are you feeding yourself, friends? When Colossians, it says that when, when Christ, who is your life, appears, we also appear with him. Is Jesus your life? You know, this a few weeks ago, um, I was given an article by Lifeway Research, and they interviewed uh, about 40,000 people from ages 8 to 80 uh, about the impact of reading Scripture in your life. And it says if uh, from one day to three days, there's very little impact or change. If you read Scripture one day a week, that includes right now. Like if you say, I opened my Bible this week, and it's Sunday morning with Pastor Rich. That's what he's talking about, right? If you're twice a week or three times a week, it has little effect in your life. But something changes at four days. Something changes at four days or higher. They interviewed all these people. I want to share some stats with you. I think you get what I, why I always tell you to, to read your Bibles. Look at it. 40, four days or plus, this is what happens. Feeling lonely drops 30%. When you read scripture, four days or more a week, your feeling lonely drops 30%. Anger issues drops 32%. Bitterness in relationships drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Sex outside of marriage drops 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. 60%. Come on. Continue on. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. Discipling others jumps 230%. I didn't make this up. So can I say it right now? Church. Come on. In fact, Paul writes in the book of Philippians chapter 4, what to do in our situations. It says in verse 6 and 7, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about everything, but by but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which trans all understanding, will guard your hearts and your what? Come on! In Christ Jesus. Take everything that's holding out, everything that's stirring around in your head and bringing you down and taking you down, you're going that rabbit trail of destruction, bring it before Jesus. 
Give it to him. Lay it at the foot of the cross and let him take control of your mind. But you got to see what it says in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, was that ever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what? Holy smokes. Think about such things. Don't fill your head with the trash. Fill it with the things of God. Goodness. Scripture. See, way of the world, right, brings intoxication and chaos. The other way, Jesus brings sobriety and clarity. And when we're dealing with hardship, when we're dealing with pain, we need clarity. We need to have sober minds so we can make the right decisions to get the other side and grab a hold of victory that's truly us, that belongs to us, right? Listen, listen. You are the DJ to the playlist in your mind. Let that sit in. You are the DJ to the playlist in your mind. So what you playing? What are you grooving to in life? More pain or abundance of praise, baby? This is crazy important because Peter goes on next. He says, look back at this at 1 Peter verse 14, chapter 1, verse 14, he says, Oh, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. We need to change how you think. Why? Because how we think determines how we live. We need to change how we think. Why? Because how we think determines how we live. As in everything in life, everything we do in life, thinking precedes doing. How we think determines how we live as obedient children of God. It has to be different than what we see before us. It has to be different than what we see in this broken world. We were called to be holy. To be holy is to be set apart. To be set apart from this broken world, to be different. That we are different in our thinking. We're different in our responses. We're different in our beliefs. We're different in how we live. We're different in how we love God over all of us, all of us, all of us children. He calls us to be holy, to be different. I'm gonna make very, very clear. Different, we're not better. Different, we're not superior. Different, not lording it over others. We're called to be different. Friends, God has given us a target life that he puts in front of us. And when our minds are right, when we're sober in our heads and we're thinking clearly, filled with Jesus, we can make the right decisions. We can live that target life out. Now, Many of you in this room, you have guns, you have bows, you love to go shooting anything, right? I know some of you are like, yo, I just went out and shot some stuff. 
I think you can grasp this. Uh, here's a pattern. There's a pattern when it comes to shooting, right? Uh, maybe some of you can grasp this this morning who don't know it, and we can save some innocent lives. Uh, but the pattern of shooting is not, is not ready, fire, aim. Is it? I mean, is it ready, fire, aim? No, the, the order is important. You don't just pick up and boom, what you hit? I don't know. I'll just look at it for later. No, we stop, we get ready, we aim, and then we fire. Why? Because we have a target we want to hit. Well, that's the same with walking with Jesus. There's a target life that we want to hit. We need to be ready. We need to aim. We need to focus and fill our minds so we can just live it out and go at it like gangbusters. We do nothing. We gain nothing when we live like our old selves. We do nothing and gain nothing when we live like this broken world. Friends, we compromise every victory over every situation when we compromise how we live every situation out. The old you gets the old you results. Peter's saying, you're dealing with some stuff in life. You need to change how you think and make sure your life is one is set apart for God's glory. That's how you find your breakthrough. I mean, I just want to think through this. Um, I want to think through this logically for a moment, and pun intended. Um, who here looks at the world that we live in and sees that it's broken? It's about 50%. The other 50 are sleeping. All right. Who here looks at this world and sees confusion and chaos? Who here looks in this world and sees suffering and pain? Okay, we can see it. If, and if that is true, if the world that we live in is broken, full of suffering, pain, death, and deceit, and it got there how people chose to live, then why would we think that we would get any different results if we lived just like it? We've got to change how we think. Because how we think presses into our heart, and how we, what's in our heart is how we choose to live. Then the last point this morning is just simply live for the long game. Change how we think, because how we think determines how we live, and we need to live for the long game. Look at verse 17. Since you call on the Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners in reverent fear. Here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you redeem from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers or your ancestors, but with precious blood of Christ, without a lamb without blemish or defect. Living for the long game means that we are living with eternity in mind. Living for the long game means we are, one day we will stand before the judge of all things and he will look at our lives. And when, I don't know about you, but when I get to that point, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen? When we open our eyes to the truth that this is not our home and we realize what we have been giving is a forever thing, man, that should fuel us to live differently here 
and now. We live for the end game. That's the long game. Friends, what we have in Christ is not based on anything we find in this world that will rot, spoil, or fade. It won't. Things of this world will fade and spoil and rot because it was made from imperfection and brokenness for what we're seeing right now. But what we have in Jesus, the gift of eternal life, is birthed from perfection because Jesus was perfection and is perfection. Some of you are going to leave today and you're going to go and you're going to watch some football this afternoon. Um, can I just guarantee what's not going to happen in the pregame from the coaches? The coaches are not going to walk up to the team. They're going to pull everybody together and say, Hey, fellas, what I want you to do is go out there and play your hardest for 15 minutes. He's not going to get them all pumped up and say, Listen, I want you to give you everything you can for one half. If a coach ever showed up and did that with a team, he should be fired immediately. Now, they're called and they're championed to go out and play every single down to its completion, and you play as hard as you can to you see triple zeros on the clock. That's the same for us. We're called to live for the long game, every single play. To its completion. Every single moment until we see Jesus. Is there going to be some pain? Yeah. Is there going to be suffering? Jesus told us there will be. Confusion? Frustration? Knockdown? Will we get our butt kicked at times? Absolutely. But Jesus says we stand fast. We get up and we play another down. Amen? Because what's at the end for us is not a victory in a game. It's standing with the king of kings. Drop down to verse 23. Peter brings us to conclusion. He says, for you have been born again. You have been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and in all their glory are like the flowers of the field. Grass withers and flowers fail, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word was that was preached to you. Now, my friends, this word has been preached to you. Right here, right now. Jesus has everything we need. Second Peter tells us everything we need for life and godliness. We have everything we need to experience a breakthrough in a life that we're struggling in and fighting in by simply standing fast in his grace. We can stay down and can take more hits, more blows, and feel capped and trapped and think this is as good as it gets, or we can look up and get up and stand up and experience all that he has for us and live a life that is truly life.
Amen? But it starts here. It starts here. What are you feeding in your headspace? And it change it. Take out the trash. Bring in a whole bunch of Jesus. And let the word of God do what it's supposed to do. And we start, our minds get right. Our minds get sober. It pushes down into our hearts, and it's how we choose to live. And when we start living for Jesus, and it's radically changing who we are, we become set apart, we're holy, we're different than the rest of the world, and we start living for the long game. We start looking to the end. We say, okay, I'm going to fight this battle because I'm with Jesus. I'm going to stand up again because I'm with Jesus. I'm going to let the world just come at me. It doesn't make a difference because I'm with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Start here. Start here. Let's pray. Father, we just love you. You know full well that we are a people that get very messed up and twisted in our minds. And the only only thing that changes that brings clarity in that is you so Lord I know I'm not the only one who are experiencing hardship right now that there's some in this room with me who are holding on by a thread or dealing with anxiousness or depression or hardship I also know what you can do in their life Right now, God, I pray that you're renewing their minds. Change their thinking. Convict them this week to be in your word. Four days. Not just this morning. Not Monday morning because we're feeling all fired up because of Sunday. But help us make a pattern of filling our minds with you. Help break those destructive patterns that we've been walking through with the word of truth. Let's remove the darkness out of our heads and fill it with the light of Jesus Christ. And let that filter into our hearts and help us live differently for you. God, we're so thankful that you stand above it all. You know exactly where we are. You know exactly what we're walking through. And you know exactly what's going to take us to get to the other side. May we see that this morning. And right now I'm going to call our prayer team forward. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what the head patterns you're dealing with, what you're facing in life. But what I do know is the power of prayer. Our team is right here, right now, who wants to pray with you, encourage you, lift you up, pray scripture over your life, pray scripture into your life. Don't walk out those doors thinking you're alone. We sang a song that there's another in the fire this morning. It means you're not alone because Jesus is with you. You're not alone because as you're part of the church, you are part of a family. We are here with you. Come be prayed with. Give your burdens to the only one who can fix them. That is God. God, thank you for this morning. We love you. We worship you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. God bless church. Have an amazing week.